Philosophy. Descartes. Debate. The Mep Report. Mep Report. Mep Report. The awesomest discussion podcast in the history of the human species. Oh, yeah! Let me tell you of an interview with an old man emu. He's got a bacon feathers and things, but the poor old fella ain't got no wings. Aren't you jealous of the wedge-tailed eagle? I'm better to da-da-da. Well, the eagle's flying round and round to keep my two feet firmly on the ground. Now, I can't fly, but I'm telling you, I can run the pants of a kangaroo. But da do 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 He can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the pants of a kangaroo. Oh, right in that case. Well, in that case. Welcome oh. to the Bep Report, number 142, October 19, 2015, in the year of a load, Anno Domine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What is going on, everyone? Uh, it just occurred People. to me that we could be playing Deal or No Deal before every episode, and we're just opening <laughs> cases, and we can't start the show until we find the welcome case. <laughs> that's, that's very true. I always thought that was kind of like, you know... We have been on five minutes waiting for someone to find the welcome case. Yeah, yeah. I again, it's my fault, no. and I'm overscheduled. I'm overscheduled, and I have too many things that I do with too much time. So I'm I'm aware of it. It's a huge problem of mine. I'm trying to work on it. I've been trying to work on it for the better part of a decade. I haven't gotten there yet, but but we remain in progress as human beings, all, and uh, I am no different in that regard. And uh, and I have to say that um, uh, the for the deal with the no deal thing always struck me as like the furthest and complete like. I, sort of the culmination of all game shows just ended up with like, here's a suitcase of money. Like, do you want the suitcase of money or do you not want the suitcase of money? Like all the stuff that used to be over the top of it, the sort of like, you know, let's spin a wheel to get you money or pretend like figure out prices like of shopping cart items, you know, for money. Like eventually just like, look, do you just want money or not? All right. Do you just want this item. Do you want money or do you not want money? Like <laughs> that'd be a fun game metaphor. show. For the country. Yeah, right? no, right. I mean, it like the it, whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing is like, like, you just want money or not money? Like, it just, we just got rid of the idea. You know, in my speech class, I, I talk about, you know, simplifying the idea to its basics, and that's really what we're at. You know, it's just money or not money. So that's, that's what I was about. Did you guys like, I, I think we may have talked about this. Of course, Story is the only one of us who's actually appeared live and in person on a game show. But, um, but I'm, uh, but I'm curious, like, did you guys have a favorite game show? Like one game show that you watched, or did you not watch any of them and hated them all? Um, I feel like The Price is Right was symbolic of playing hooky, so that was a favorite game show because of its association to being daytime television, meaning that you weren't you were home from school when you were watching it. I see. There's something to that. I also like the fact that so, it always had them really cool little games. Like I never really understood what was going on with some of them, but like the mountain climber climbing up the hill was always cool. Yeah, um, and I liked Plinko. Yeah, Plinko. Bunch. And the spinning the wheel thing. Story, did you have any, um, like, any game show at Jeopardy. all? Like, Jeopardy, yes. really? Okay. Jeopardy. Yeah. Absolutely Jeopardy. Yeah. All the Jeopardy all the time. I could see that, yeah. I could totally see yeah. that. Because you got Absolutely. to feel smarter than the contestants, for one thing. You could, like, well, you know, I mean, I just wanted to go on, you know, because it was like, instead of just winning money for having a suitcase and picking correctly, you could be rewarded for collecting useless facts, which is, you know, much more intuitive to me so and then there's uh american gladiators or the the new <laughs> version of that american ninja where you're rewarded for physical attributes but it's still still a game show yes i could see well i mean that's the one i really wanted to be on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is american ninja. 
Obviously. Can you can you imagine story as a ninja but with his long hair like out of the out of the like ninja outfit? He's just like <laughs> I feel like if they had American Ninja three point shooting competition, story would be right in there. Yeah. <laughs> but like what as it turns out, like you know, the, in the sort of shock twist of the year, one of the ninja contests is to create the most luminarias in a limited amount of time, and everyone's like luminaria. Like story completely owns them to such a great degree yeah. that the rest of the he, battle, like he gets a five month head start on everyone else. He pulls like, a fifty pound <laughs> bag of sand out of his pocket. He's like ready to go. And they're all like, "You lack discipline. Do this. <laughs> you lack luminaria." Oh man! So that's it. That's all you need to do is rig the rules, story, such that you have. You know, ninja costumes co- contests that actually fit your, uh, you know, your particular skill set. So, you know, it occurs to me that I could have been one of the. I mean, presumably, if they had the correct ninja costumes, which I'm just feigning not to know about, because of course I actually did this. Uh, that I, you know, I could have been on a ninja show, and you'd never know because that's the nature. Oh, of like ninjas. a ninja game show, right? Right. Right. I mean, but they're wearing a mask, right? I mean, no. they, you know who no, those no, people are. No, they're not wearing a mask. It's not what? like they're not actually like throwing ninja stars <laughs> and jumping off of roofs and, and killing samurai. I mean, how homes. do we know? Just, I feel like a ninja game show, you wouldn't course. be able to see them having the game show, right? But like, they call it ninja? Just it's like just what? branding. It's just branding for an obstacle thread? course game show. Yeah. yeah. It's actually like people doing drone strikes or something. Like, <laughs> American <know>. American <laughs> drone coming. strike didn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> Actually, that's a game show I would watch religiously oh if that were <laughs> if they were just go went into the mini malls where those US Army outposts are located where the drone pilots go and they would go in there and they would rack up points for targets hit. Oh man, that'd be the the bomb. Yeah. Literally, that would literally be the bomb, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> oh, that's good <God>. stuff. <laughs> So, so I, wow. I have I have a, I have a question I want to raise to you guys. It actually comes from on the way home tonight. Um, I actually uh, I stopped in a pharmacy to get a bottle of water, and I walked past. They have one of those like uh, you know like incredibly cheap movie stands. You know they have like the five ninety nine DVDs from like you know mm-hmm. times past, and they had for some reason faced out for five ninety nine an old season of the Cosby Show, and you know anyone who's been alive in the last. Well, two Bargain to three years price. is like cannot can no longer look at the Cosby show and think about anything other than what's going on with Bill Cosby. So it strikes me. I, I feel like we've reached the point where anyone that you potentially hate or anyone that you potentially love is going to reach a tipping point if you and they live long enough where they're going to move on to the other side. So. Because, I mean, Bill Cosby back in the 80s was this guy that was like, I mean, I remember watching the Cosby show, like, and, and there being like these incredible moments in the Cosby show where you're like, wow, and you would actually talk about it at school the next day and stuff like that. It also helped that there were like four channels at the time, but, you know, and no internet. But, you know, that's that's what you would do. And like now, of course, Cosby, as we find out, is this terrible, you know, serial abuser and like horrendous person. So I feel like we need to have something to resolve this. So I've come up with an idea and it's related. It's sort of like a, a it's vaguely. Is it dying young? Yes. Well, no. That... It, it's vague. <laughs> yeah, before anyone Solves finds out. a lot out. of problems. It, it's, va- it's a vague corollary, I think, to the, um, the, the CPT, the compulsory pejorative uh, term that we came up with. But um, in this case, it would be we need a what what I would call a lock in date. And by that, I mean a date by which you you finally make your up your final conclusions and decisions about a person, yay or nay. And then that's it. And then like 10 years from now, 
you you know, like new facts can't like be brought back into evidence. And I don't mean this specifically with Bill Cosby. I'm, I'm thinking about other people that like there are people that that genuinely that people didn't like that somehow came back into the public consciousness and became some like Richard Nixon towards the end of his life became this redemptive figure that people were like, oh, he's really got a lot of wisdom about foreign affairs. When the truth is that, no, he's a horrible human being who did terrible things to the country and the Constitution. So I should not ever have had to go back and say, hey, I like Richard Nixon. There should have been a lock in date, probably 1973 would have been good. Um, but, you know, like a specific set date where we just make up our final decision about a celebrity and that's it. And we don't, you know, we don't do this for like real people. We only do this for for celebrities. Right. And and that's it. And that way we don't have to worry about constant reassessing um, the earlier part of our lives for good or for ill. You know, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's some merit to this this proposal um, of, of locking in a, a particular opinion about someone. So I I thought I would, you know. There's slightly perverse incentives that might emerge for the celebrities <laughs> so? to be judged. So, like, if they could just this. keep it out of the public eye for another couple of years. Yeah, like... <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on, man. The payoffs are massive. And then it's just like, I just have this image of these people who, like, committed genocide in high school just, like, dancing on the graves of people being like, you can't change your mind. You can't change your mind. You love me as the lovable character in this movie. And the person Got watching you. them do that is like, hey, that's really wrong. And the person's like, hey, you can't say that. They're past their lock-in date. Yeah, you're exactly. like, oh, you're right. Oh, you crazy whatever. Oh, oh Macaulay Culkin. Oh. oh, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Greg, did you become a publicist recently? Is that why you were late to the show tonight? Because that's that's where this idea that's is where this spun from, come clearly. From. Yeah, it's this publicist dream. They can only say good things as long as I lock in a certain time frame. Well, see, that's the, the thing, though. Yeah. The key would be how do you actually lock it in? Like, it, it, you can't just have one person doing it. Obviously, the person in question can't just, just lock it in. You put you know? your client on house arrest for the year where they're defined by their actions and then make them do charity work well, that, and then I mean, unleash them to be aside, Justin Bieber afterward. Previous joke aside, you kill them. Like, that's actually how you <laughs> like, like that is That is how you do it because then you get you get whatever it was, like, plus 20% because you get that little 20% dying young bump. You know, maybe forty or fifty percent in some cases, it can turn a whole career around. Sometimes, no, but see, you guys are approaching this as if I were a publicist, and I'm trying to come up with an actual, honest way to assess someone that doesn't involve constant reassessment. You know, like I like at, like at a certain point, you want to have a situation. Like for example, let's say that you have someone who is you know a fairly good person, and then you know you have a situation where you know you and you feel good about it. They would have to, you'd have to make a decision about when they wanted to lock themselves in. There'd be some strategy to it too. Like if one of them was like, okay, I really would like to be locked in now and everyone agrees, okay, we'll lock you in now. But then they like save the Dalai Lama from a burning building, right? At that point, you, that doesn't improve their rep anymore because they've been locked in already as the vaguely okay and palatable, you know, I don't know, country music star that sold that record once, you know? Um, and oh, that's spe it. Speaking of so. which, did you know that Bill Hicks, one of my favorite comedians and prophets uh, of the 90s, had a whole like 15-minute bit that he would do about how much he hated Billy Ray Cyrus. And no, I didn't I just, know that one. God, he was so prophetic. Like He went on rants about the Iraq war that would be as relevant five minutes ago as they were 20 years ago. And he, he wanted to invent a daytime television show called Let's Hunt and Kill a Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, my God. And if he had successfully done this, then Miley Cyrus would not have been inflicted on the world. And that's just more props to Bill. Good job, Bill. I see. 
So Bill successfully locked in a um, a date of kill. But he was right. Like, not only was he right about the inanity and just uselessness of Billy Ray, but like that Billy Ray's progeny would infect the the public domain for like another God knows how many decades was even worse. You wander through the wilderness because yeah. because clearly that says much more about uh, the Cy- Billy Ray Cyrus and his progeny and much less about us that are somehow fascinated by Billy Ray Cyrus and his progeny, right? Well, who knows, man? You just take one one ambitious, horrible person, and they can just replicate themselves and inflict damage on the public psyche for <laughs> God knows how long. Replicate this. somewhere. Like Prescott Bush. I was just going to say exactly. that Some, somewhere, Dick Cheney in an undisclosed location is like t- standing next to his clone machine, going, "Ah, they're onto me. Get me in I there mean, now." Yeah. We're a society that's become what we've become, but you eliminate a few key personalities here or there, and that could change, <laughs> you know, pretty dramatically. Can't decide if this is the genocide episode or the eugenics episode. <laughs> no, it's it's the no. It depends on what stage you decide to eliminate them. Yeah, basically, really. <laughs> it's, no, it's 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 a C, but C, but no. See, as usual, you know, Russ is getting into the, all this scientific stuff about genetic engineering, and I'm just talking about you know, like locking in perception. I'm I'm just I'm having us make a societal decision about people so that we no longer need worry about sort of correcting them. Also, I mean, think about how less that would give the tabloids to work with, right? How much less it would be if it's like shocking new news about blah, because you're like, well, there is no shocking new news because it doesn't matter anymore because we've made our decision about whoever blah is, right? And as I say, you know, this is for not real people. This isn't for you or me or like family members or friends. This is only for celebrities that have no value, you know. I don't even see a single benefit for this thing that you're pitching, (laughs) Like not even half of one. I don't understand. Well, what is the argument for this? No, you can turn off your brain, Russ. You can can, uh, be aware of people, but there's no thinking involved. There's no brain. Here's the Mm -hmm. logic. If you you grew up believing, now again, the Bill Cosby example is not, because I, you know, I remember Bill Cosby very well in the Bill Cosby show, but it wasn't like I defined my life by Bill Cosby. But let's say that I discovered that J.R.R. Tolkien was a murderous, genocidal maniac who did horrific things to the people of the world. Clearly, I could not at that point, and somehow had managed to keep this secret. Like, like the biggest lie ever told was that it was Hitler. It was actually Tolkien. Like, now I would have to change much of my like sort of life path, and like you know, much of my life path would all be called into question at that point. I'd, I obviously, as a you know, a halfway sane, rational, compassionate human being, could not anymore bring up you know Tolkien as a guy that I admire. I can't do that. Well. I'm just saying, you know, the elves going away is kind of reminiscent of the Holocaust. That's all I'm going to say. It's just there. It's like, what happened to the elves? Oh, they went away to their island and they're gone now. So yes, the, the choice of the elves to get that. onto ships to move to their version of heaven clearly relates to the gas chambers. I see completely. Whereas I will pose the controversial <laughs> thought that if Tolkien were actually Hitler, perhaps you ought to like him less. Well, right, but that's what no, no, no. But that's what I'm saying. That's my point. Like I'm saying exactly, exactly. You're no, you're exactly right about that. But that, but my point is that that would obviously it would bring everything into question, including you know had I even really understood who I was at all. Like for example, say that you discovered that Gandhi was actually a face eating, <laughs> face eating lizard. Like if you discovered that, and all of a sudden you realize that like the whole you know like the orange juice diet was because that was all that the alien lizards could actually subsist. But maybe on. he only ate the faces of British you know aristocrats <laughs> yeah. and the power, and he did so in the name of peace. <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, like V. In a right? nonviolent he, way. Right, like V. He, just, he came he, in peace and then he ate their face. Like He just nonviolently <laughs> opposed what they did until they surrendered their faces to him <laughs> yeah, to be exactly. eaten. They're like, you're right, Gandhi, have our face. He's like, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, I guess my question is like, you know, wouldn't wouldn't that change much of the sort of course of your life path at that point? If I believe in a system of non-participation in the in the not eating of faces. <laughs> <laughs> if like if, I mean, if like Thoreau is an acid spitting lizard in reality, what, how does well, that that's change? why he went out into the woods <laughs> <laughs> protect everyone from what he'd become. I don't know if there's anyone who I revere sufficiently, and I mean Gandhi is going there, but like <laughs> that that like I, I believe in principles, not in people who may or may not be facing lizards, like. You know what I mean? No, but story helps us develop like, a can, system of denial. Right, we have you, to have a system where we can deny things that exist. Yeah. So what's no, the best? No, I wasn't just, really a face-eating lizard. I think that I think that I, I my pacifism would survive it, right? Like I didn't just throw a dartboard and be like Gandhi. He's cool. I don't like wearing a lot of clothes. Like <laughs> I choose to follow him. Oh, he happened to believe in peace. Baller. I believe in that too. Like I chose the principle first, right, and then read the people who espoused it, not not the other. So way wait around. though, but he didn't. He didn't inspire and influence you to direct your philosophy in a certain direction though i mean like you you completely had it i mean i shouldn't say completely but you mostly had it fully formed that you're like i'm just gonna find the peaceful people or or it wasn't like no i mean i'm not gonna say he wasn't influential of course he was influential but the ideas themselves like you know i mean and and there are places where i part ways with gandhi right like the gandhi you know did talk at times about like gandhi was far too focused like like J.K. Rowling and the rest of the world on bravery, for example, and was like, well, it's better to be bravely violent than cowardly nonviolent and things like that, which I don't agree with. So Mm -hmm. he was certainly a a huge influence and articulated a lot of the things that resonated with me in a way that I wouldn't have at the time. No, No doubt about that and pushed me in certain directions. But having gone in those directions, you know, I, I don't think I would suddenly be like, the lizard man did it. I declare war. Like, you know, no, I still like the principles are still still pretty good. I, have this, well, of, then, I have this image of you uh, on the road being like, God, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. like Shawshank moment. <laughs> But on a sort of realistic level, like all of these guys had events in their lives that could have marred their legacy. You know, Gandhi and Martin Luther King were accused of infidelity at different times in their lives. Um, you know, they, these things happen. But that is you, true. everyone has to, you know, pick and choose. Nobody is perfect. Well, so. I will give you an example in real life okay. of, of an encounter that I had just this weekend okay. that poses this exact question nice. to us. So it was with a face we were at. Lizard. We were at, well, you know, hear me out here. Okay. So we were at a pumpkin patch to celebrate the season because it's mid-October, even though it's still like 85 degrees down here. But we went a little bit north into the countryside of Louisiana. We were at a pumpkin patch, and this pumpkin patch had a variety of farm animals. And among the farm animals, there was a zebra, there was donkey, there was a lot of exotic farm animals. And one of them, in fact, three of them out in the pasture with the alpacas, we're emus, nice. my friends. Oh, my yes, yes. We are actually talking about in emus. In Louisiana. Woo! What? There were emus. And I was what? like, are they ostriches? I, I wanted to not get my hopes up as soon as I saw them. <laughs> they might be ostriches. They might be ostriches. They might be rias. Like, I can't, I can't let myself dare to hope. And then they were very clearly emus. The facial structure could spot it from space. And then 
So we were taking pictures. I actually have a fantastic, it will probably be the cover for this episode, a fantastic picture of me like squaring up to the to the emu. Alex actually suggested that I discover whether it's an emu or not by doing the emu mating dance. <laughs> and then it bit Alex. Oh, oh my God, oh. no. As she was taking a picture, oh. it just went out, it went out, and it sort of stuck the neck out. I could almost see it coming in slow motion, and it just reached out and bloop! Bit oh. Alex on the finger. Oh, she screamed in terror. Uh, it wasn't. To be fair, it wasn't like you know an apocalyptic bite. Like they don't have teeth. You know, it was kind of a, a <laughs> snip, a beak attack. But the surprise, most of the pain was was based on the surprise. So I then was confronted immediately with this question. Wow, I've always loved emus, and they've yeah. always been spoke to me. But an emu just. Just step to my girlfriend. So what am I going to do with that? And as he walked oh. away in horror, the emu pulled off its mask and went, your girlfriend was <laughs> delicious. <laughs> I won't not eat your face. <laughs> For this time, it is Wait, only Alex a Alex a lizard finger. in this metaphor? No, 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 no. no, no, no. He's, right. no the lizards are eating. Yeah, the, no, no, she didn't like turn around. And the, that would have been even better if she like ripped off her face, but then it, then it gets really confusing. I will lead you back. Okay, so was there were there other yeah. emus who expressed horror at this action though? Maybe they could be a socially ostracized emu. No, the other emu is just a total bystander. So there were two that came up to us at once, and then the one was like kind of playing it cool. And then as she was taking the picture, the one one of the two reached out and bit, and the other one was just chilling. And there was barbed wire. It was a barbed wire fence, so they knew you know the emus were capable of. Great uh, viciousness. So, wait, they reached through. He was like, I will rip yes. up my neck so as to bite your girlfriend's hand? Well, you know, it wasn't a narrowly tailored barbed wire fence. There were like four strands or three strands that were about an emu height, which is taller than a person. So their long, spindly neck could definitely get through that. Hmm. So, yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. What do we yeah. do with this failure of uh, emu morality? I mean, yeah, oh, exactly. that's that's good. Uh-huh. Um, well, then we were joking about like that she would become emu woman because like clearly there. Oh been yeah, some the proportionate powers and abilities of an emu, like superwoman. <laughs> she would be like extra cranky, cranky, and cranky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she could outrun. Uh, she could run the pants of a kangaroo, though. But so. run really fast. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. that's that's exactly what I said. We were trying to come up with superpowers. I'm like, you will run really, really fast. And, and speak with an Australian life. accent. And you will be wanted yes. for your glands suddenly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> So this is these are the moral dilemmas we must confront in a world where temporal reality still affects our children. <laughs> but not not in Greg's system. No, in my system we would have locked in the emu. We would have locked in emu and just remember emus right. in two thousand seven at the height of the podcast pickle wars right. and never again. That's that's exactly yeah, right. Be affected by them. I think, the, I think the key flaw here, Greg, is that no one is a good judge of their own peak, right? We're all raised in America to be incorrigible optimists and to believe in ourselves, no matter what the evidence is to the contrary. So we're never gonna, you know, the Beatles in the in the midst of being number one at everything would have just been like, well, tomorrow will probably be a little bit better, you know. <laughs> and like for a couple of years, that probably would have been true, but then you know. Then there was the collapse. And so I don't know. I think I, I, I would argue if it's really up to people to lock it in for themselves, we would probably get the same world we have now because no one no one would ever know when to when except to lock for, it in. Or people would lock Sandy it in. Koufax. Sandy Koufax. Yeah. Could Sandy Koufax would lock it in. Yeah. <laughs> but like but like, right. Like that's that's, of course. And that's the thing. Right. Is that 
I guess you'd have to have some societally sanctioned way of doing this so that someone couldn't like be like, you know, you got to have a situation uh, like a system of no backsies, right? Like the guy can't be like, oh, wait, wait, I, you know, like I locked it and he walks out of the room where he's like out of the pl- building where he signed the contract. And all of a sudden he sees like two old ladies and saves them both. And like, you know, not, you can't go back in and resign it. I mean, like, you know, society is decided so that you'd have to you have to make a decision that there could be strategies, you know, like a dummy's guide to the lock in. You know, like, like what, like, when is it safe to lock in? You know, uh, I locked in too early a memoir. You know, there'd be lots of things that I could see. Um, and of course, like, that could Why sell Why bother well. writing a memoir? Well, it's I was going to say, it, w- it would sell well, but it wouldn't affect anyone's opinion of them. Yes. That's a, they'd be like, wow, I really feel different. Oh, I can't. Oh, well. Well, he's still the same person then. But, right? I mean, like, you'd have to think about, like, I don't know how you'd have society making the decision. There could be, like, a committee, you know, like a super committee uh, that makes the call. We could democratically vote on it, but it would have to be a situation where, you know, it, it just could not be an easy sort of matter. I, I think this ties in with what we were talking about a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago about uh, about how everyone is an Internet celebrity now and how everyone is capable of, you know, broadcasting to everyone at all times. And so I feel like it would be easy enough for those people to also broadcast, hey, you know, am, should I lock in my reputation right at this moment and have people like, no, I think you've still got further to go. Actually, I think you've made some really good strides. I think the time is now to, you know, to kind of like. I think I think clout.com should should make this determination. Clout.com, that's a thing. Yeah, you know your clout score, which basically takes the social signals from your Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and decides how much of an influencer you are and how popular you are. What? I've um, never heard of this before. There's a oh, for sure. And so it uh, it should be the one to say, okay, you know what, you're you're not going to get any better than this. People will care less about what you have to say from this point forward for the rest of your life. I'm now going to look and see what my clout.com score is. But, I mean, doesn't I, that come with a horrible, like, depression slash revulsion to future life? Like, once you've locked in, like, what's no, the point? No, there's, this is why in no way is there any negative to this story. I don't know what you mean. This is so well thought out by me <laughs> based just, upon a CBD I saw at a pharmacy about five hours ago. <laughs> You just coast, man. That's the fun part, just for the rest of existence. When I type in clout, I get add cash back to any card. What is this kickback scheme? With a K. It's got a K. A K? With a K. Clout with a K. Clout, be known for what you love. Clout helps people want to be great at social media. This is terrifying. Um, Okay. I want to be horrible. How do you? Oh, you have to like make an, an account? Yeah, indeed you do. You like can most like, things in, in today's with, world, yeah. it is a way of getting login information from you. Oh. You can log in with uh, whichever you know social network you want. You can just log in with your Facebook or your Twitter, whatever you think is your though, most powerful. They? It'll only take over ten percent right? of your feed a day. Right, exactly. Well, the point is that they have it, and then they read your profile, and then they decide you know what your influencing ability is. Six hundred twenty million plus scored users. One million plus clout perks delivered. What the hell are perks? Oh, for people who are big into clout, they give you little freebies because the marketers backing the organization assume that you can influence people to buy things uh, if you're using them. Huh? So you get little free thingamabobs. I do not participate in any of this stuff. I'm just aware of clout as a social media marketing but person. Why? But see, I was just going to say that. Like, why is this stuff given your like enormous social media reach, as we've previously documented? Like, I mean. Why? What do you mean? What was the question? Why? Why? Why is this? Yeah, like, like why you are? You know, I mean, you, you. I don't know why you would not have registered and signed up for something like this. 
So, oh, I have. I mean, I have a cloud account for sure. I know what my cloud is. And in point of fact, uh, my cloud peaked in uh, September, guys. So, sorry, it's all it's all downhill from here. What was your cloud? Eight quadrillion? Uh, no, it's not that great. I mean, I, I'm sure Stephanie's cloud is with her 5,000 Facebook friends is well beyond mine. I've got, uh, I peaked at around 58. And I think this is out of 100. What, what uh, does that mean? Up. I don't know what it means. It's just the score. It's, it has no, you know, it's its own thing. He is the embodiment of 58. <laughs> just 58. He's no longer a big blue five. Just 58. But- Stephanie's is way higher than that. Stephanie's been hand signaling to me that she dwarfs my cloud score. With like a what? Can I though? look you up? Like, on like what? What is what is dwarf? Does it mean like thing. she has a five thousand score or like a sixty score? Like well, what's let's the see. Range? Based for comparison, she's a social media maven. She has a seventy-two, so she kicks the crap out of me. So and I assume a hundred is the peak. Like Kanye so. is a hundred. Like like, like um, so. what's his name uh, from Ashton Kutcher is is a hundred, right? And I bet Story has a pretty high cloud score given his uh, connections and Facebook but activity. Russ, none of us have thirty-two thousand Twitter followers, though. Like I have a clout. I'm sure. Yeah, but you know, I don't get that much uh, interaction from my followers. They just read things and go about their business. So that the marketers don't care for that. For me, the fact that I'm retweeting a bunch of academic articles, this does not excite the uh, the clout algorithm. So, so whereas <laughs> my debate advice, <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, oh man. We could yeah. sell so many university trips. So many legal pads. So <laughs> many legal pads we could sell. It's amazing. I just, I, I yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's, you know, and I guess they can measure interactivity by a certain degree. I mean, like, <clears throat> technically, like my Twitch channel, which I assume they don't count on clout, um, has, you know, much more interactivity. But, I mean, I have, you know, 3,200 followers, not 32,000. So I feel like at some point, you know. Did you guys look up your clout yet? Are you not doing it? Are you not going to do I'm, it? I'm not registering myself onto more. Who? Like, Why? Like privacygone.org. you participate in the measure yourself against arbitrary standards? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to faceeatinglizard.com to see how I really rank in the world. Okay, fine. Hello. Yes, I had I, no, I had I had no like uh, I had no comments oh, about it other just the sorry, I wasn't sure if I was alone again. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't sure if the my solipsistic musings had given out. <laughs> well, that's enough of that. In terms man. of the peaking discussion, like I was I was thinking about you know for someone whose goal, whether this is a realistic one or not, is to be an immortalist and live 400 years. Like, when do you assume that your peak is going to be? Do you peak at 100 and then you coast for 300 years? Do you peak at 200 exactly right in the middle? Where, when do you peak? And what, what is it like living out centuries after that? Interesting. Those are my questions. Well, given that I've already told you that the last 300 years are going to be spent slowly withering in a chair, uh, <laughs> I would choose, like, 55. <laughs> What if you live to 107 and put yourself in cryogenic stasis for centuries after that, and you're just sitting there hibernating? Is that you wake up? I wonder what my cloud score is, and someone's like, like what? (laughs) (laughs) What did he say? Like all of a sudden, the universal translator flashes like, "Clout is now my god" or something like, "Like oh great, I wonder what that means." You know. 
I don't like my, <laughs> you guys do not like my vision of the future. You're like, yeah, yeah, great. That's not. No, that's, I mean, it's not going to happen. I, yeah, I don't. I mean, there's so many issues. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. As, as unappealing as I find living to 300 being like cryogenic freezing, maybe the only thing that's worse. But I mean, wait a minute. See, like, okay. That you have no earthly understanding of whatsoever. Like, Story, I assume you would not have an objection to the 300 thing if somehow you could be convinced that it would be as a relatively fit and fiddle, you know, youthful person. As I mean, a, I'm right? still working on wanting to live to 40, right? Like, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you guys quite comprehend like the struggle <laughs> as it really manifests here. But I feel like if you no. hit forty, it's just you know, four hundred is just another number yeah, at that point. And it's just really. <laughs> no, I mean I don't know. Like it just. I mean a lot of it obviously depends on like you know what the existence looks like, right? Like you know if you're in the capitalist thresher, like, and you have to keep you know like part of what makes. 300 i think seem appealing i mean not to russ because i know russ's ethos but to a lot of people i think is the idea that they're still going to retire at 62 and so then you're just like coasting for 250 years not that, that would be feasible <laughs> yes in Taking any way shape or form and playing or golf and watching the price right. right for exactly. years. <laughs> yeah so like you know this show obviously was so much that's, better 100 years ago <laughs> you know God. that's not the model so i don't know um I, I just think there are a lot more complications to it. But I also just think you get, like, tired of, you know, and I also have a certain amount of confidence that there's something to come afterwards, right? Like, obviously, if I really were convinced that this were all there were to consciousness, then I would probably feel differently because, obviously, the idea of annihilation is fairly unappealing most of the time. I don't know. It goes through fits and starts, but most of the yep. time it's unappealing. We, we rewatched uh, one of my favorite movies last night, The Fountain, which I don't know if you guys ever oh. saw, which was an Aronofsky movie. I saw it movie. with you. I learned it Did from I you. I showed it to you. I showed it to yeah, you. Yeah, I've heard you guys yeah. talk about it. Um, and it's, it's odd that it's one of my favorite movies of all time because the entire theme of the movie is that the main character who is obsessed with a quest to extend his life, and it's sort of parallel stories, so he's also a conquistador searching for the fountain of youth, and a neurobiologist trying who, who inadvertently solves aging. Um, but he becomes, he doesn't become the villain, but he becomes misguided. By the end of the movie, he, his realization was that ultimately the greatest value is to sacrifice yourself, that the world can be reborn out of your sacrifice, and that... Uh, welcoming death is like the ultimate value of the movie The Fountain. So it's very odd that that's one of my favorite movies, given that the immortalist is all like he's dissuaded from that whole thing during the movie. Makes me wonder if, you know, the director of that film might not have waited until you had seen it. And then when you were safely out of the theater, just went, well done. Yes. All right, now we can... Now we can show the real ending to the movie off. now that Russ is gone. <laughs> Rips off his face. He wins. Like, now here's the real answer. Um, yeah, no, I, I remember you guys uh, talking about this before. Well, I mean, you know, so probably like, I guess you would say that the the version that sort of appeals to, well, doesn't wouldn't Cocoon, Russ, be the thing that would sort of appeal to these very simple version of what you'd want? Right? I mean, like aliens come down or like, here, you can live forever and you won't get sick and you won't ever die. Right, like I mean, that's that movie's like the stereotypical old person fantasy, which is just that they they swim in a pool, which is already in their condominium complex, so it's super convenient. They don't even need to buy like day passes for it, <laughs> and then 
the pool that, that is part of their condo community has alien pods in it that grant them youthful energy. Like, that's wonderful. I'm not searching for... I still have youthful energy, so I'm cool. I don't need that. I just... <laughs> He's hip. He's with it. And also, they have to... Like, what they find out later is that they're siphoning the life force from these poor aliens who live in these pods that are in the pool. So it's not doesn't come for free, either. That's what they... You always forget that about Cocoon. Everyone always remembers the first 40 minutes of Cocoon, where it's Wilford Brimley just doing somersaults. And, like, but dunking, like dunking <laughs> over people and stuff, yeah. Exactly. But the rest of it is they have to come to terms with... And then and then they still get a happy ending, because the, they get to choose to go to the alien homeworld and live forever or whatever, so... Hmm. To be fair, I'm not sure if anyone remembers any part of Cocoon most of the time. Are you saying that everyone who enjoyed Cocoon is now dead story? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. I mean, I've never heard of this film. Well, like, so here's I'm a good example, to... though. That's actually a, that's a good test case for what we were talking about earlier. I feel like our knowledge of Steve Gutenberg has more or less been locked in by whatever we remember of that movie because he never did anything oh, yeah. afterwards that anybody cared about. Steve, so Steve Gutenberg could go on meth and just kill a bunch of people and start a cult in whatever order and nobody would care <laughs> because he's been that irrelevant right. for that long or he could have been a leading lot. a small like you know african nation to prosperity and we would have no idea right i mean like it just doesn't you know he's yeah. Steve gutenberg yeah steve gutenberg could have renamed himself good luck steven and <laughs> become <laughs> warlord and we wouldn't know or care Who runs like some war <laughs> like some mountain fortress and we'd be like okay yeah. whatever steve gutenberg i'm gonna go he, watch he Cocoon. runs like one tenth of the Democratic Republic of Congo, or something like that. He's like, he's like. Did you guys, did you guys hear that someone actually tried this? Like, someone actually, what? an American like paramilitary force, went in and tried to overthrow the government of a small African nation. I want to say Gambia. I think it was the Gambia. Um, I heard about this on NPR like the other day. Did and they it was win? Just like the Gambia. Yeah. Woohoo! What? What the, the Gambiel? Yeah, it was in 2014. Gamble. It was a bunch of people. Gambiel. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. Um, um, oh, wait, so this happened last like, year? Really? Yeah, it was like it was like four. I mean, you know, the Gambia is a very very small country. It's like the size of it's like part of a river basically, and it just goes on. Like it's wholly enclosed in another country and within Senegal. Um, which is you know why it was low hanging fruit too. It was like a bunch of ex military. U.S. people, like four of them or something, and they really thought they could take over the Gambia, and they like <laughs> shot some shots in the capital, and they had power for like twenty minutes, and then it was over. I I did hear I didn't hear about that, but I did hear about someone who sort of got permission to settle and create his own nation in some formerly unclaimed territory. Um, I'm not sure whether it was on in the near the Russian border or somewhere in Africa, but he he basically asked several countries, and nobody cared to claim this like few kilometers worth of territory. So he set it up as like I'm awesome, awesome Stan or something like that, and just declared his own his own country over there. That's interesting. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't actually remember having heard about this. I wonder if there's ever been a situation where someone came that close. It seems like a reverse mouse that roared, like. You invade a small country right. with a tiny force, and somehow they're just like, okay, and they just kind of give up, and you become like you end up leading them, you know, like somehow, you know. I I, yeah. I wonder if that's ever actually worked functionally. 
Like there must have been some point like where some city state or something just allowed some individual to kind of take it over because they didn't know who else. I mean, more or less, that's what's happening in Congress right now is that they're desperately trying to get someone to take over the position of speaker that nobody wants, because why would you want to do that job right now? Um, you know, so so I'm wondering if that's ever actually existed where someone was able to come in and we take should over. offer the position to someone outside the U.S. That would be great. There's nothing that we says it have- has to be a U.S. citizen. We should import a speaker to have someone, maybe someone with a background and discipline of some sort. That'd be wonderful. That'd be great. We should like bring in like the headmaster, like the- headmistress of some like some boarding school, really stuffy <laughs> European boarding school. Now, now, like- Paul Ryan, have a seat. Have a seat. Uh, be the Trevor Noah of the U.S. Congress. That'd be pretty awesome. But it is true, you know, it doesn't have to be an elected member of the House at all, and it doesn't even say U.S. citizen. So you could just wait. The speaker doesn't have to be an elected. Does not have to be an elected member of the house. No, sir. You're thinking of the speaker for the dead. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, no. That's true. No, this is actually true. You can look it up. The speaker of the house does not need to be. It does not say in the constitution that the speaker in the house needs to be an elected representative. Does not need to be the case. It could be a senator. It could be anybody. Could it be the United States? They they could right now. They could be like they could be like Bobby Flay. You were a celebrity chef. Become the speaker of the house. Doesn't matter. You are so making. I'm this not up. making it up. I'm going to find evidence right now. I was just reading about this the other day. The, this is not like a committee post, in that the 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 convention of delegates decides who this is based on who's sitting in Congress. The Constitution not- quote: "The Constitution does not require uh, that the Speaker be an elected House. It says that in Wikipedia, but it also says clerk.house.gov. The Constitution does not require the Speaker to be a member of the House." Now, the Speaker but, has always been a member of the House, but is not required to be one. Government laws. They get a vote if they're not if they're not a member. Yeah, I, I have apparently confirmed your ridiculous supposition. Um, although I think that the Constitution just forgot to lock in. Somebody, <laughs> somebody kind of forgot that. I guess the president pro tem of the Senate, who is the vice president, right? He doesn't he's not part of the Senate, but he gets to break ties. Right. That kind of thing. That's right. So it's this kind of thing, except instead of being the vice president, he could be anybody. It says the House of Representatives shall choose their speaker and other officers and shall have the sole power of impeachment. It's Article 1, Section 2. So the House of Reps could choose, you know, the zombie Reagan. And like I nominate Donald Trump. Oh, God. I, you listen, I'm telling you what, it's a good idea, <laughs> you know? You mean just to distract him from running for president? Well, no, but just because it would it, it would destroy things that much faster for the House of Reps. Like it would it already, we're heading in that direction, so it would just sort of. But he wouldn't want it because it requires work. He's not interested in work. Um, well, it would also, yeah, it would also derail his candidacy pretty quick. I mean, that's I why Paul Ryan doesn't want it move for the Republican because he wants to be president someday, and he knows that he could never do it if he becomes speaker. It'll be immediately destroyed. So he doesn't want it. So you know, I mean, again, why would you want it if you had any kind of ambitions at all? Yeah, Colin Powell could be Speaker of the House. Anyone can run for Speaker of the House. Anybody. I'm actually looking. Let's see. Anyone can run for House Speaker, even you. Story, you could be House Speaker of the House. I I decline. Let me um, say that again. Maybe Bill Cosby will choose this way of resurrecting <laughs> his career. That's true. Then I can go back and not feel bad anymore. I could be like, oh, Bill Cosby is such a great Speaker of the House. Oh, yeah. If only Louis C.K. would be Speaker of the House. We could finally have a reason to tune into C-SPAN. All the time. It's to be like, well, see, you don't really have anyone who's the equivalent of Bill Hicks for you right now, right? Like all the people, all your people that you love, like Hunter S. Thompson's not with us anymore. Bill Hicks is gone. They, everyone uh, you love is dead. George Carlin is gone. <laughs> they have really dropped like flies. It is no joke. Uh, 
Many of them are gone. Robin Williams. Uh, Louis C.K. is kind of holding the torch, he, but he, you I know, like he Louis pales C. in comparison to these figures. Absolutely. So is Louis but C.K. He holds, would, he, would he be your nominee for speaker? He is the current <laughs> descendant of George. Like you know, there's always a comedian who's the descendant of a particular spirit, and Bill Hicks and George Carlin were a very similar spirit, and Louis C.K. is the carrier of that torch. I agree right that now. He's also a lot less bitter than George Carlin, which makes him likable well, to me. He's he's young yet, you know. <laughs> the, the time um, will come. What about Louis? Yeah. No, you wish Louis Black. Because Louis no, Black could be angry Black all the time is, with the house. Yeah, speaker. he just does. Louis Black doesn't have anything to say. That's Louis Black's problem. <laughs> He's like, he tries. He starts from anger, and then he picks things. Of what can I be angry about to appropriately be Louis Black? <laughs> I'm angry. It's not like I'm angry about this thing in particular, and these other things I like. It's like, no, I have to be angry. That's my play. This so banana is rotten. I'm angry. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, he has nothing to say, and he is gone. He's aged rapidly. But listen, he's, he, it, surprisingly, he doesn't take great care of himself, Louis Black. Listen, if not, he's got uh, nothing, if he's if he's got nothing to say, why does he not fit perfectly with the house? Hey, um, no, I'm just saying. Like, so I mean, who would your nominee be? Like, I've, we'd have to think about this. I'm trying to think. Like, Story's nominee for the Speaker of the House was Donald Trump. So, who's your nominee of the Speaker of the House, Russ? Uh, Keegan Michael Key. I'm sorry, who's that? He's the guy from Key and Peele. He's key. You don't know King and Michael Key? I, I, I don't. Key and Peele? Doesn't ring a bell? Yeah, sorry. Greatest sketch duo ever in the history of the world since Abbott and Costello. Oh, um, sure. I remember that well. Well, they basically took over the mantle of Dave Chappelle uh, and had a Comedy Central sketch show for, I don't know, seven seasons or something like that. Oh, so they're – oh, um, wait. I think actually – yeah, I think actually Clea has shown me some of these. Okay, never mind. I, I yeah, take it back. Yeah, they're phenomenal. Okay. They did a famous sketch in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago where they played uh, Richard Sherman and uh, the Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I, uh, I think I know what this is now. Okay, all right. So you would nominate – the guy from Key, TMPL. Keegan is basically the straight man, typically, of the two of them. So he would be a great speaker of the house. Okay. So this is to avoid you nominating, like, someone from Penn and Teller. Who's the, who's the silent one? Is it Teller? Who's the quiet one? Our references are getting really <laughs> dangerously old. You're dangerously <laughs> old and obscure. Fair enough. Dangerously old. Fair, old. fair enough. Okay. <laughs> so fair enough. So Key, so key and Peel. All right. So that's your nominee. Story, you want to stick with Donald Trump or do you want to come with somebody? I'll stick with Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Sure. So who, who would I nominate for the Speaker of the House? Wow. Um, man, there's so many good possibilities. I think I would... Well, it depends. My real, like, if I, you know, if I had, like, if I thought that this person would actually do it, would, would be Jon Stewart. But, and my second choice would be Stephen Colbert. Um, but if neither one of those, because neither one of those would actually happen. If he stayed in character, Stephen Colbert would do a remarkable job at Speaker of the House. Yes. <laughs> if he didn't relinquish his Stephen Colbert character, yes. he could do it without skipping a beat. That's probably true. Um, and everyone would listen to him, too. So instead, I'd need to think of like a highly respected figure who has, commands great respect among all peoples. Um, I think my answer would be the guy who plays Big Bird. Because everybody loves Big Bird. This is 100% true, by the way. There, there is no one who dislikes Big Bird. There are some people who don't really know a lot about Big Bird. But for those who do know about Big Bird, I've actually, the reason I'm, I'm saying this is because I saw recently a Reddit interview with the guy who played Big, who has played Big Bird for years. And who talked about talking to a kid who had terminal cancer, who had always wanted Big Bird to, to be able to talk to him once. 
and how in character he talked to this kid on the phone about how, you know, he was really happy that he, you know, that he could speak to him and that he could make him happy. And the kid literally hung up the phone, smiled at his parents and died. That, ladies that's and gentlemen, the power of Big Bird. that's the power of Big Bird. So I think Big Speaking Bird. Speaking of, uh, of eugenics or genocide, that's, uh, that's <laughs> well, Big Bird's did, ability. Did this stuff. I think you're in missing a, the point of what happened here. In a friendly fascist eugenics government, you Big take, Bird is the person who I talks to you. I think you're taking right a sweet story, killed. a moving story. <laughs> you're turning it into some way that Big Bird killed this child, and I don't think you're getting the idea of what happened. Hey, here. little boy, due to your faulty genetics, you don't suit. You're not suited to live in our civilization. Oh my God! So we'll be seeing you on Sesame Street. Why does he sound okay, like Chucky? Big Bird. Why does Big Bird sound like Chucky? Because you know. He's that level of extra no. Big creepy. Bird would be it because I think I think that like uh, I think that it would be very difficult to turn him down. Also, uh, Sesame Street is extremely hard to defund, and when they try it, uh, politicians have often said they don't want to be known as having killed Big Bird. So I feel like it'd be much but harder. They're moving for... to HBO, right? right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's very yeah. it's very difficult for them. Actually, I have not seen I have not seen any of the new shows. Have you seen any of the new Muppets? I have not seen any of the new Muppets. I've not seen I've the, not. well. The Muppets are different. I've been meaning to watch the new Muppet Show because well, they're, I mean, they're you the of same all ballpark. people for for the love of the all that is holy, Greg. You are the biggest Muppet fan I've ever known. I mean, you whenever there was a chance to write a loose link resolution, it was it's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. I am the only person among us who ever ran a tournament based on a Muppets theme. That is correct. There you go. <laughs> yes, there you go. I do love so, the Muppets, but I, I don't have HBO. Is the problem so. I don't. It's not. You know. It's not on HBO. No, the Muppets. I the, Muppets the, the, the new Muppets. Sesame is Street on... moved. No, to HBO. The Muppets is on network television. No, you even have a child who's like in the theoretically appropriate age for the. Wait for a like minute. The You're thinking of the Fraggle. Speaking of old references that nobody cares about anymore. <laughs> oh well, Muppets is on. Oh, it's on ABC. It's on ABC. What? Yes, it's on that high-end obscure network. Oh man, the American Broadcast Corporation. Ed Helms yeah. karaoke with the Muppets. Oh, I get HBO, but I don't get ABC. That's my life. Ed Helms karaoke with the Muppets. How did I miss this? This is exactly what you want. Liam Hemsworth helps Gonzo. This is exactly what you want. Oh, they couldn't get the good Hemsworth. Fozzie accidentally hits Statler with a T-shirt gun. This is this is. This is exactly... Well, that actually does sound really funny. I mean, I love them. Uh, I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. So there you go. We can well, agree oh, on wait a minute, then. I what a, wait, wait. I, I, no, I got a better okay. idea. Not Big Sadler Bird. Not Big Bird. Kermit. 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 Kermit's the speaker. Kermit's the speaker. Kermit is already used to handling a group of completely unruly, uh, you know, people that are out of control all the time. And he has he commands enormous yeah. respect. Kermit. If we're going to go Muppet, let's go, like, our Henson. Right. Let's go full Henson. It's not easy being speaker. Right. Yeah. Oh, he should totally do a spoof with Boehner if it's not easy being orange. <laughs> nah. Yeah. So I think I think that's I think that's possibly it. I mean, no, the truth is that, you know, it normally is, you know, carried from people within obviously the house. Like it's never not been a member of the House of Representatives. And I imagine that a House of Representatives would be unwilling to not elect one of its own to govern it. But I don't know. I mean, maybe it's possible, you know, if this leadership thing goes far enough and Boehner is like, no, really, I'm retiring. No, really, you can't make me stay. Really, I'm retiring. And they have no other choice. I mean, they're not going to they're not going to somehow figure out a way to make Pelosi be the speaker. Right. So at some point, they're going to have to go outside the normal. OK, box, so here's right? something I've never understood. 
I actually, I actually want to call this into question because it's just a straight vote of the floor of the house, right? Like, it's not like the majority party are the only people who get to vote, right? So, if we have like, if there were a fractured, you know, like when there were going to be three candidates running from the Republican Party, if they were going to fragment their vote enough, couldn't the Democrats just all unite behind one person and get a plurality? Yeah, that's like, been discussed. That that's that's been discussed on Daily Cost and elsewhere. But the problem is that. Um, the general assumption is that the Republicans loathe the Democrats to such a great degree that if it ever really became an honest possibility that Nancy Pelosi was going to be speaker, they would rise up and like nominate, you know, Genghis Khan. Like they would, they would do something. Like this, they would not, they would not vote enough of them would not the vote for Pelosi. Nominee. Right. Well, basically, I, I just like. Well, I mean, I the, don't thing, the thing about it is right worse. that the, the people that are sort of causing these problems, really causing the problems. The Republican Party in general has become this, but the people who are really causing the problems are about 40 members of the caucus. Like, it's still a minority of the caucus. Like, really, if the Republicans would just wake up, they could just, like, kick into the curb and they could just be like, go to hell, we're going to do what we want. And they could just partner with the Democrats to pass whatever they want and the 40 people can go pound sand. Right. But it's instead it's because that's the only actual unified group on the conservative side is the Tea Party side. You know, everybody else is like, I don't know what I believe. Like, I'm controlled by the plutocrats. I'm controlled by the corporatecrats i'm controlled by the plutocorporates like you know and so it's all over the place and the only ones who know what they want are the idiots who understand only mouth breathing and punching themselves in the face repeatedly and that's that's the crew that currently well they're also the terrified that they would go off and start their own actual party right i mean that would be yes. a pretty devastating blow for the republicans if they actually had to run contested races in conservative districts well, a lot of that people they've gerrymandered yeah to own. <laughs> a lot of people think they're heading towards whig status as it is I mean, like, you know, uh, in terms of like the sort of national election. Speaking of that, by the way, I'm looking and right now, I don't know if you guys are watching this, but the current um, polls, the election is going on in Canada right now. And uh, right now, Justin Trudeau, who is the son of Pierre Trudeau, is a well-known prime minister in Canada. Um, the Liberal Party has right now 126 seats, Conservative Party 70, the New Democratic Party 10, which now I don't know how many of the numbers are still out, but I... I mean, unless I'm mis unless I'm misunderstanding this, this is a horrible loss for Mulcair and the Democratic Party. Like, the NDP somehow completely destroyed themselves. If I'm reading these results right, I mean, I don't know enough about it, but I it's wow, that's terrible. Um, is the New Democratic Party a left wing organization? Yeah. So, so basically, so you start with the premise that everyone in Canada is more left than people here, okay? But then you say, based on that reality. Um, you look beyond that at what each of them, like sort of what each of the parties represent. Harper is essentially the equivalent of a Republican. Trudeau is the more, he's probably equivalent to the Democrats here. He's somewhat to the left of them, but he would be more like left center Democrat. And then Mulcair is farther than to the left than that, although not on everything, because Mulcair, for example, like campaigned on a balanced budget platform, which was odd. And then he made some like apparently some gaffe with like the Quebecois, like were pissed off at him for some reason. Um, but anyway, so the NDP basically is the equivalent of like the liberal Democrats in the UK, let's say. Um, and uh, the liberal party is essentially the Democratic Party, but farther left here. Um, and so it looks right now like the Liberal Party is going to be the one that wins. And I actually watched a little bit of the debate um, between the three of them and among the three of them. And beyond the fact that I was impressed that they all could effortlessly move back and forth from English to French like nobody's business. And again, wept for the future of our country. Um, I also was really impressed with like like Trudeau impressed me with a lot of his just 
he's just very rhetorically skilled. You know, like there's a lot of things that I'm like, oh damn, son. Like at one point he made some point about how um he's like you know Mike because they had got, spent all this time talking about how the legacy of his father was to cause all these immigration problems and stuff. And so Mulcair was the guy who really you know sort of hit that home. And so Trudeau was like, well you know one of the big differences um you know from my father to you. Um, one of them being that he knows how to say the same thing in French as he does in English, is blah, 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 blah. And it was basically this big hammer plow against the fact that Mulcair says things about like French independence and Quebec independence in French that he never says in English, supposedly. So like Trudeau sort of hammered him on that. So I was impressed with him as like a debate performer. Like I, you know, I don't know about his policy enough to know, but um, he's certainly better than Harper. I mean, that's pretty much what everyone believes is that Harper's terrible. So, um, but that's, yeah. That, that's that's all that we know so yeah but that's what we're watching right now it's uh we're watching canada's elections hang on a knife's point can you name one major national issue that will be changed by the outcome of this election of uh, the canadian election yes yes uh the keystone pipeline so you're saying that the conservative party is inclined to approve the Keystone Pipeline yes. and everyone else isn't? Uh, well, the Keystone, the conservatives want to approve it. Uh, the NDP is definitely against it. And the liberal party is sort of up in the air about it. Wants to pretend they're against it, but is actually for Probably it. true. <laughs> Probably true. We hate this pipeline. Stop building it. Really <laughs> stop it. We are serious. You stop that. Also, uh, immig- building it. immigration well, law, supposedly. Can- um, you know, that is something that both Mulcair and Trudeau agree on for the most part, that Harper is just not going to get done. So, yeah. Oh, Canada. <laughs> oh, man. It's shaping up to, uh, let's see. Mr. I'm just I'm just looking at all these like wait a minute I'm going to show you guys a, wait 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 what all right I'm going to show you guys a picture um, and, and I, I don't really understand why this picture is here but I'm just going to put it in here maybe it's a Canadian thing I'm putting this in our Skype call so you guys can look at it that ladies and gentlemen at the top of this human pyramid is Trudeau your, your thoughts Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is standing I think he, on other men's legs. I just don't he understand. May, like he maybe should have locked in the opinion <laughs> just before making. Like the conservatives went around and put that picture up, and everyone was like, "Uh, um, I don't, I don't know what is going on." Who is this running for the Liberal Party? I don't know. Some acrobat from Cirque du Soleil <laughs> wants to be the president. Standing on the knees of giants. Some behind him yeah. is like, Stella, Stella. It's like they're doing like hoops in the background. Oh, my this God. Is, this is just one step away from just obscure Canadian sporting events that no one's ever heard of before. Like, I want to say caber toss, but I know that that's Scottish and not Canadian. But just throwing trees dancing on logs, going out into the wilderness and punching a moose in the face, sweeping ice until <laughs> pucks curve. These are things that Canadians do that nobody understands. Oh, man. Yeah, someone is saying they're like like the American version of like a Canadian election just involves one guy like standing up in a hockey, like, uh, in a hockey jersey and just like viciously shaking a, you know, a bottle of maple syrup while apologizing at his opponent. And it's just like, yes, I think that covers up every pretty much – you know, statistic that we've actually got. I think we've got there. Um, it looks like, okay, it looks like uh, everyone, I'm just looking at the live version, and there's three pictures here. 
So I want you guys to go to this link and uh, viewers, listeners at home, I will tell you exactly what it is they're looking at. The top picture that I have just sent Story and Russ at the very start with the bottom picture. Like so the top row of pictures go to the bottom of that entry. So first we've got the NDP voters stunned by the results. They're all sitting cross-legged and it looks like a bunch of hipsters sitting in a tech bar like bitching about having gotten laid off from Apple. Then you've got conservative party supporters on edge. So you have this old dude in like a sweater vest, like staring at a screen nervously. And then you have these people passionately kissing each other in the liberal headquarters. <laughs> and that's that pretty much they're like, this is the scenes from the party headquarters. As the result comes in. So if we're to assume that that reflects the actual state of the election, that's the, you know, I like the one under it, which is uh, Trudeau's head photoshopped onto Jose Bautista. Oh, the bat flip. Yes. Home run. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's pretty great. That's right. That's my favorite. Yeah. That's funny. Requiem for Stephen Harper. This is not an election, it's a Harperendum. Oh, boy. Yeah. So there you go. So Harper is out. Trudeau is in. Canada has changed. It moves in a new direction now. And so now this guy. The funny thing was, while I was watching the debate, it was amazing to me to watch guys who had like the flattest, most like average everyday accent ever in English immediately fall into this like beautiful, fluent French. You know what I mean? It's just sort of like, yes, well, I think when you consider what's going on in the it's like, wow, my God, it's amazing. Like, I, I don't know, like in, in English, they just have this sort of flat where we, you know, we're Canadian and that's what we are. And then in French, they're just like this ebullient, like effusive. Maybe it's the language. Maybe the language is just so much more. I was going to say, I think you just like French. I think that's, that's what I'm possible. I mean, with. I know, you know, this, I do like it. I do like English. <laughs> that English has got a pretty mouth. Exactly. So, all right. Well, so I think we've decided, guys, that um, you know, wait, I've got no, no, I've got the answer. That's who our speaker will be. The loser of this election, which is the head of the NDP, should be the speaker of the House. You may all have right. lost an election, Mr. Mulcair, but you can be the speaker of the House of Representatives. What an awful <laughs> consolation prize. <laughs> and yeah. as consolation, show what won, Johnny. No one will run for Canadian Prime Minister next year. No yeah. one will do it. They'll just Why be like, are we, not are we trying to make risk. Canadian dignitaries <laughs> committing suicide? Like, what, what do we have against these guys? They, he ran a good Canadian conservative campaign. Nope, I'm you sorry know? you lost. To apologize for everything you've done, you must commit political seppuku by becoming... Can we at least get a Quebecois separatist or something? Well, there is, a, there is a, really there is a Quebecois enough. separatist who I think is running about, like, he has like five votes, is four votes ahead of the Green Party. So I do think we actually have a Quebecois separatist party. Um, so we could get them if you want. I'm fine with that. Sweet. <laughs> and uh, right. we have, in fact, uh, come to the end of an hour as we've discussed Canadian politics. If you, dear listeners, are Canadian yourselves and you are heartened by what you've seen, if you also want to kiss Liberal Party supporters, uh, please let us know at themepreport.com. Uh, and if you hate this, and you wish that we had more uh, years of Stephen Harper and uh, flat Canadian accents, please let us know that as well. Um, because we may not know what we're talking about when it comes to Canada. So please let us know. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Say goodbye, everybody. No, don't bite your well, emus. The last time I saw old man, he knew him. He was chasing a female, he knew him. As he shot past, I heard him say, <laughs>
she, she can't fly, but I'm telling you, she could run the pace of a kangaroo. But I don't She can't fly, but I'm telling you, she could run the pants of a kangaroo. Well, there is a moral to this ditty, um, ba da 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 da. Frost can sing, but he ain't pretty, um, ba da 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 da. Duck can swim, but he can't sing, nor can the eagle on the wing. Emu can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the pants of a kangaroo. Well, the kookaburra laughed and he said, it's true. Um, ba da 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 